Get your popcorn ready for the College Baseball Insider Show with Matt Grissom and Quentin Mills, giving you all the insights and analysis you need for the weekend slate that college baseball has to offer. are your hosts ready to dive into the top matchups what is up college baseball fans for the last time we're going to be coming to you to be talking college baseball it's the college world series the national championship series uh q your florida gators are there we're matchy matchy with the hats on we're very on brand today yep but tell me how you're feeling as a Gators fan first before we get into handicapping it. I'm nervous. I'm going out for game two. And I just told you off air, I, I think I'd rather be at game one because I know there's, you know, the live another day. Uh, it's pretty nerve wracking and exciting to know that the series could end, you know, in our favor or against our favor on Sunday. Um, I can tell you this, if, if we close it out, and uh, it's we're victorious. I'm I'm headed straight to Harris, and I'm playing uh, the number seventeen and twenty three. That's both years that we'll have beaten LSU. So uh, I'm praying, man. It's it should be an exciting time. So you go out Saturday? Is that what you said or Sunday? No, I gotta. Uh, I'm going out Sunday morning, catching the game. Oh, okay, I thought you were going Saturday. I I, tr- I tried. I I couldn't bump the wipe off of a uh, Dave Matthews concert. That that didn't end well. So. <laughs> It, it, I'm fortunate to at least be making it out there. So, Well, as far as a handicapping standpoint, what is your read on LSU? Because I know you were kind of simultaneous with me all season long. Like this bullpen was going to let them down at some point. They have yet. We actually look like idiots right now because we just keep waiting on them to let us down and they continue to step up in big ways. We saw Coleman struggle a little bit. Uh, for LSU against Wake Forest, but all in all, I mean, you you got to tip your hat to LSU's pen because they're really figuring it out right now. Yeah, I mean, Florida figured it out, you know, late April, uh, so they've had a little more consistency. I think maybe that's why we tailor to them more than this LSU team that has been about a three, four-week time frame of them kind of getting it together. But I still think there's problems. Like you just mentioned, Coleman, you know, he looked a little shaky um, I think even Ty Floyd, he looked really good for five innings. And then, you know, he just really fell off the tracks. Like you look at louder, you know, last night who you could tell he was slowly getting there, but it was, uh, it gave the team the ability to get in Massey. You look at Skeen, same thing, right? They're going to not just dive off the cliff mid inning. And I think you get that with uh, Ty Floyd from the last few starts we've seen him. So I think if Florida can, can withstand that in game one uh, and get him out of the game by the sixth inning, I think that bodes well. You know, the bullpen, again, it's been shaky all year for LSU. Florida, in my opinion, is different than Wake Forest in the sense of the the games that they have won, they've won without their star players doing it outside of White Langford's big home run. It's been Luke Heyman. It's been Tyler Shell not to hit that double. It's been Ty Evans. Wake Forest didn't have anybody doing anything. So I think that's an edge to Florida saying, hey, you might shut down Cags, you know, BT, uh, Rivera, and Langford, but – other guys are going to get base hits, so they have to be wary of that. And, and same for the, the Florida staff as well as LSU. So the the role players, I think, are really going to matter in this series. Yeah, Ty Floyd's got a 3.86 ERA in the postseason. He has played a lot better from, from his normal. But I think the biggest thing for me, 
And I, I started to monitor it a little closer with just because the park, how it's playing bigger because of the size and the wind. But Wake Forest came into last night's game with an OPS of 584. They were well above one all season long. They were above one through the entire postseason until they hit Omaha. Attribute that to whatever you want, but 584 OPS is not good. I don't know if this is more of uh, an attribution to LSU's pitching being very good versus Wake Forest just not being able to hit the ball. I think I, I think it remains to be seen. I think it's both. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and I said it last show. I'm not playing the game of the park plays bigger in the sense of like Wake Forest didn't have the power. They had the power. I mean, they're they're one of the hardest hitting teams in the country. I think the win obviously kept a lot of balls in for every team. It's not just Wake Forest. I think they just flat couldn't hit the ball this week, and it cost them. I mean, it's the worst time to kind of go up against the toughest competition and just not hit. Uh, but the whole ballpark playing in, I know a lot of people on Twitter are on it. You know, LSU figured it out. Florida figured it out with eight, what, seven or eight home runs this tournament. Like, if you hit the ball, it's going to go out with your big hitters, and that's just what Wake Forest failed to do was just make contact. Yeah. It it was really disheartening to see like Brock yeah. Brook and Nick Kurtz not even get to play in that last game. But these well, two big crazy. power Brock hitters all Wilkin. season and they they can't. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's crazy because Brock Wilkins started the tournament off with a bomb. So like you thought he was going to groove it, and then he just it was like he just left. And Nick Kurtz, uh, you know, obviously he was scratched last night. It, it's, we come to find out he's dealing with a rib injury, but he was non-existent. It was like he wasn't even in Omaha. Um, on the offensive side. Now, credit, he kept him in a lot of games with with his defensive playmaking, but it, that hurts, man. When your top two hitters aren't producing, it hurts. I mean, we saw that with UVA. And then to go back to the team OPS, Florida, they have an 8-2-1 in Omaha, 8-2-8 over the entire postseason. So one would believe that the bats of Florida are going to be able to hit these LSU pitchers a little bit. Brandon Sprout's got a 407 ERA in the postseason, a little worse than I think his season average, but you know, he's given you a good six, six and a half innings and he's given up. Uh, I think he's given up three runs in, in all four of his postseason starts. I think he gave up two and one, but I, I don't know. This is a coin flip in game one to me. I think where Florida really has the advantage is day two with Waldrop going because I don't think you see Paul Skeens yet. I think at best Skeens can throw in a potential game three. Yeah, but we like we just talked about off air. How far does he go? I mean, I know the guy's a workhorse. You know, the the draft's coming up. Um, That's got to be weighing on his mind, right? He didn't get to do the combine. This was his combine, so – at some point, you've got to start. I get it; it's a national championship, but he's looking at a number one overall pick potential. So, I don't see him going eight, nine innings in game three. Uh, I think it's going to be that five to seven, and I almost lean closer to the five because there's a major difference whether you're a pro or a collegiate player of going on five days rest, four days rest, and three days rest. You know, he's again, he's in his early twenties. This is new territory for him. Florida has the bats to to take advantage of that it's just we'll see how far it goes but i don't expect it to be a super long start by any means no and that's assuming we'll and even get to that point right, yeah right. and that's kind of where i'm i'm getting some pushback on twitter because a lot of people are are pretty much guaranteeing that this is going to go three 
I don't know. I mean, if in if you get if you get good Brandon Sprout and they they win game one, which I think they can and will, that's why I said last night to jump on the Florida series price because if you're gonna lay 120 in game one, lay the 120 in the series. That way, if you lose game one, you didn't just lose the the same juice. But I mean, let's face it, if they went if Florida loses game one. It, they probably are losing the series. So I would say LSU game three, if it makes there, they're going to win it. But I think Waldrop and Sprout, between the two of them, they shouldn't even allow LSU to force a game three, in my I opinion. I, I mean, a, a, a quick nugget. In 2017, obviously this was the matchup for those don't know, who don't know. Uh, Florida knocked off TCU in the semifinals, which they did this year. LSU comes out of the loser's bracket to beat the number one overall team, which they did this year. And the Gators won two nothing. Now again, two totally different teams. You know, uh, Jay Johnson wasn't there. It was Paul Maneri, you know, different situation, but I, I agree with you. I mean, Sprout, he looked really good against UVA. And I think that was huge for him who has road trouble starts. I think he's going to be comfortable. And then there's another thing, right. And you see it a lot of the times uh, in, in major league series and the NBA, like professional sports, LSU has gone on this run where they've played back-to-back-to-back days, right? Now they have an off day. Does that kill the momentum? Because you're not playing in that you've got time to relax. Now, granted, that's good for the body. But up here, it's different. You know, you're not in that killer mentality of like, all right, we're back on it in 12 hours. Let's go. The adrenaline kind of gets out of your body, and then you have to ramp back up. Florida's had enough to where they can rest and and truly make it to where they can kind of rest but then refocus – I, I think that plays in a lot of this too in game one because they're not having more than one day off in terms of LSU and Florida's had the ability to sit back for two straight days. Now go have a zoo day. Okay. Now let's focus. Let's get back in the game time. So I think it matters. So Waldrop's got a one six nine ERA in the postseason. That's phenomenal. He's been the money guy. I think every Florida fan knew that when he committed to come there from Southern Miss that, he was probably going to be in the in the conversation of being the ace, and Sprouts came on. Do you get cute in this moment and try to throw Waldrop? Nope. Nope. You do what you got there. I would say if you're going to make a move, it would be game three, not start Cags. But I will say this, and I'm not defending Cags because he looked like a, a 12-year-old pitcher on the mound the other day. He hadn't pitched in three weeks. You know? Yeah. What does that get you? Maybe he's okay. Maybe he's comfortable now because we saw him kind of get into a little bit of a groove towards uh, the third and the fourth inning to where maybe he was shaking a rust off. I don't think you change game one and two, uh, especially because if you do lose game one, then you have Waldrop confidently getting you to a game three. I don't think you mess with that. Uh, Again, play with what got you here. You know, if it's Powerball, it is what it is. The guys will step up. You keep your rotation the same. Everything's in rhythm. It's business as usual. I agree, and I, I was talking back and forth with a guy on Twitter talking about that, and apparently he played college ball, and he was equating rest as you don't have an advantage by being the resting teams, and he was saying because in, you look at the MLB playoffs, they a team can come in and have their normal rotation where their ace wins game one, but I tried to explain that. This is college baseball. I don't think – there is even a parallel to MLB in the sense of like 
for one, I think the bats, these kids, you know, they're used to playing double headers. They're used to doing, yeah. you know, throwing unconventional as far as their pitching rotations. So you've got that, but on the other sense that you've got the rest, but is three days versus two days rest that big of a deal for batters? Probably not. But for pitchers, I think it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. I mean, I I, I, he was saying that the bats are going to go cold for Florida because they've been resting. But I, I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think it has more to do with the pitching advantage which we've always anchored our handicapping around pitching. So you're telling me that LSU is at a benefit because they're playing back-to-back-to-back and burning every pitching arm on their staff. Meanwhile, Florida gets to stick to their normal rotation. Well, the bats don't have the advantage. Look at the season MLB. You play a Thursday to Sunday or Thursday to Monday. You might have a day off travel day and you're back in a three-game series or four. In college, you you'll play a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday, you know. So you have some of them, and and then towards the end of the week or the end of the season, you don't even have a mid game. So you go five days, six days without even swinging the bat. So they're used to that in their schedule. I don't I don't think that changes anything. It, that's that's what they're used to all season long. So the rest factor, it's it's not there in the major league baseball aspect, but it, it's been there all season. You know, for college baseball fans, that's just how it goes. You know, with the scheduling, I I, yeah. I don't think it's going to matter. I yeah, that's what we were trying to get through. But I, whatever he he is all knowing. Um, I've got to quit responding to Twitter trolls. It's yeah. getting worse and worse. But yeah, man, the anonymous accounts just throwing in their two cents. It just uh, follower experts, man. It gets under it gets under my skin. But all right, well, do you have anything else to add? I know this was quick. Um, we're we're still waiting on pitching announcements. We're still waiting on. Uh, I guess game times that have game times been announced yet, or is it for sure six o'clock tomorrow again? Yeah, it should be six o'clock central for Saturday, and then I believe two o'clock central for uh, Sunday, and then obviously TBA on the uh, on the Monday. Um, and we've got a coin flip for the series. Have you seen a game one price yet? No, I've just seen the series price at both minus one ten. I haven't looked at I booked it last night. I haven't looked yet. Check uh, it just, one more time before we sign off. There is, what do you think about this? I, I think we should do a show next week, recap it. There is. And then I think here we do, before you get to that, I think we make our bold predictions heading into next season. I like it. Because we look at the transfer portal, look at the moves that have happened this past week. Like, you know, Shelton going to Florida, I think we kind of, hey, Florida's rebounding back like they could be back or Wake Forest is, you know, losing everybody. They're going to have a drop. You know, I think we should – I think it would be pretty fun to do that. Yeah, I'll have to do some homework because I haven't paid yeah, yeah, yeah. a lick of attention to yeah. the transfer portal like you have. But, all right, so we've got lines. DraftKings posted LSU plus one and a half minus 180. Florida minus one and a half plus 145. The total is 10, 10 flat. And Florida's a slight favorite minus 120 laying 110 with LSU. Any opening thoughts to the opening line of game one? Plus one and a half LSU, because I think all these games are going to be close. I do too. I mean – And the under – I think we could get there, man. I think Ty Floyd's hittable, and I think Sproat's giving up three to four as well. 
I, I'd probably, this is probably one of the, the unders that I stay away from, to be honest. They're what, how, how many unders have hit all, all but one. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to, to not, but I killed my, uh, you know, I had said you could take the run line dog and the money line favorite and the under in just about every game. I said that last week on Jeff's show. And I, I don't know what the total was. Obviously, it went two and one last night. With Wake Forest, probably, other than the bomb by Tommy Tanks. Yeah. I mean, that that was a one and a half lock all game long. That was sickening. But uh, that that's really good. And I'm going to have it for Jeff's show. But yeah, that may not be a bad take to take LSU plus one and a half. I don't know about the total. I'm with you. I am surprised that we're getting a – lower opening total than we did with Paul Skeens and Rhett Louder. I will say that. I see this game being UVA Florida type score 6-5. 6-4, I yep. completely agree. So, all right, with that, we'll see you next week to recap the championship series. Hopefully, Q comes home as a happy Gator fan and you guys cash some tickets this weekend. Thanks for joining us and we will see you next time.